I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Chief Rick Lasky, along with my partner, Chief John Salka. And, John, we are in Florida for a CSU Company Officer Academy. Um, uh, another great job with Nikki and Mimi. Um, another great crowd. How about the Chief today? What, what an awesome boss out here, Marietta. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. We've talked about that before. We, we do lots of, lots of programs. We do lots of Company Officer Academy programs around the country uh, uh, with CSU and, and, and some without, but, but more with them than, than ever. And uh, we have great, diverse crowds. And more and more we're noticing the fire chief, the number one man of the fire department, sitting through the class one day, two days, three days at a time, unless, you know, something that was already on the calendar happens or something happens at City Hall that he's got to pay attention to. But uh, we, we had the chief right from Ariana, right, right in class today, and he was... Welcomed everybody. Absolutely participated, made a few comments during the class, as some of the other folks did. And, uh, and he had some of his staff there as well. There were three or four white shirt uh, chiefs there. Guys from headquarters and that, that uh, and, and for us, as, as two guys that travel around the country and, and meet all sorts of folks from all sorts of size departments, it's, it's always a pleasure to see some solid support and actually attendance from the top, from headquarters. Not just a couple of lieutenants and captains attending, but, but their chiefs sitting there as well. Yeah, it was great. And, and, you know, and he did. He jumped in about some social media stuff, and um, you know, he's taking notes. And I mean, just first of all, it's an awesome group. We have a packed room here. Um, no, no extra chairs that, that, that we could fit anybody if we wanted to. It's been great. Um, we, we talked about, in fact, one of our last shows, one of our last you know shows, uh, you know, again, we're, we're talking old school, was up in, uh, Can- in Canada, right outside Edmonton, mm-hmm. with our buddy at Morville, Brad, the, you know, the chief there, and another great group. And, you know, one of the things I found amazing, John, you and I have talked about this. You know, I'll be honest with you, and I, and we've said this, we, we both love our Canadian brothers and sisters. We, we do. Uh, our fire service, their fire service is one. There, there's a blurry line that we've said this before that, that separates us, and that's all it is on a map. I haven't had much success in the past uh, with not being harassed at the Toronto airport by Borders and Customs. And I do the whole, from Seinfeld, the whole soup Nazi thing, yes sir, no sir, all that stuff. But Calgary, what you know, and I, you know, it, going through Customs, Grant, I've got my Nexus, and you've got your global ent- entry coming back, but going through their security, it was actually, a, they were some of the most polite, professional, um, professional, accommodating. It's like, no, sir. We were loaded for bear, and actually we were fretting a little bit. Not that we were doing <laughs> anything wrong at all, but, you know, you having, having had a couple of, you know, not so great experiences. I've never really had one, but I've certainly heard of a couple of, you know, challenging experiences and, and sort of, you know, ridiculous conversations with some of the people there from a, from guys like us that are going across to attend conferences and stuff. But uh, we were so pleasantly surprised oh, by the wonderful. professional, friendly, helpful attitude of everyone. That, frankly, 
I had a better time going across the border from the United States to Canada in Calgary than I do sometimes getting on my plane through TSA in Newburgh, nine miles from my house. Sometimes those people are a little, a little bit more difficult to work with than the folks we encountered in Calgary. I, I just have to say we had, we had a great, great time. Well, and, and I've told you before, I've bragged about it, you know, granted my little airport, you know, DFW, Dallas, a lot of TSA people there, and I had some great experiences there, but I love my TSA agents at, at, at Wichita Falls, and they're great. And, and, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, you and I have talked about this. Golly, before... Before 9-11, traveling through the states through, on, on the airplanes and through airports was like... A bunt. Could you imagine before 9-11, if we had implemented the security system, people would be screaming They'd and be rioting. Oh. They'd be rioting. And, and it, it took 9-11 for us to figure out that just how easy it was for people, obviously, to get through right. and do some pretty right. horrible things. But, you know, the, the government adjusted. They, they, we, we talked about the funding. You know, it was just National Police Week, and God bless them. We love our police officers, you know, those in law enforcement, period. The funding, you know, I've said before, they're better at marketing than us because they know how to go out and market their mission. We sit back thinking we're the fire service still, and people are just bring us, it's a wonderful life, the big baskets of money, and dump them, you know, on, on, nice. a, on a, a table at the end. And it's not true. You've got to get out there and be embedded. But, you know, the amount of funding uh, that we spend, you know, you know, again, rightfully so in law enforcement, but I just feel like on the fire side, and this may sound a little whiny, but I don't think we get our fair share. At, you know, when it, when it comes to, you know, there's just under 40,000 fire departments in the United States, volunteer career. We've got firefighters out there with no portable radios, without the right bunker gear, without the protection. You 35 know, 35-year-old rigs. Just, you know, some of the, and I know part I of this. I sit on dirt floors and apparatus bays. Yeah, and, and, and there are grants, but, you know, I, Look, I don't care who you are. It's not that easy. It's not that easy to write a grant. It's not that easy for some of these small departments that desperately need the stuff to operate to do it. Right. Um, but but here's something I want I want to ask you. You've mentioned this in class before. I've seen you ask students, John. You've asked them how many people died on 9/11, and and right away they spit out the number one. Well, and we know why. But a lot of quick responses are 343 because. You know, we in the fire service are so focused on our particular loss that day. You know, devastating, gigantic loss compared to even law enforcement and other federal agencies and, and things like that for that particular day. But, uh, but, but we all know that's not the answer. You know, we all know the real answer is, is 3,000 Americans died that day. You know, give or take. It's not an exact And, and we're talking 9-11. We're talking, I'm oh, sorry, sorry, you know, New York City. Right. We're talking the Pentagon. We're talking Shanksville. Correct. Because, you know, and... and I can understand a lot of people. You mentioned 11, horrible, horrible, horrible event in New York City. But we forget sometimes what happened in, at, the, at the Pentagon, and we forget about the brave people on a plane that took it down in Shanksville. And, and, and the three planes. You know, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a tragedy all over the all airline, around. The airline pilots, the flight attendants that were doing their jobs, some pretty brave people. Absolutely. But 3,000 people, John. And there's um, the key. And, and that's today's on, subject. On one day. And that's today's subject. Within. Within an hour of each other or two, though that many people were murdered. That many people would die in a terrorist incident. Now, we're not here to talk about terrorism tonight. We're here to talk about the number 3,000. So 3,000 people died on 9-11, and, and it changed America. It changed where billions of dollars are spent. It changed the whole industry, the whole travel industry, right, or at least right. the airline industry. I don't think it changed... You know, I don't think it changed the railroad industry much and, and, and highways and things like that, but but certainly the airline industry, which is exactly where it happened. That was the tool that they used, right? The airline industry. 
But let's get back to the number again now. We're not here to talk about 9-11. We're just using 9-11 as the standard. 3,000 people died on 9-11, and it changed America. It changed a lot of federal agencies, changed a lot of federal laws. It changed the whole airline industry and how every single plane, every single pilot, every single airport, every single parking lot, every single ticket, it changed everything. 3,000 people on one day almost 20 years ago. Now let me ask you another question. How many people die in fires? Not car accidents, not earthquakes, not hurricanes, not floods, in fires. And you know what the answer is? 3,000 people. Now we're averaging, we're generating, but, but I must tell you in the last couple of years it has spiked. It's up over uh, 3,200 in the last couple of years. So let's just go with the number 3,000. So since 9-11, and I'm, and I'm here to tell you it's true, look the numbers up and come up with the number yourself. About 3,000 people have died every year since 9-11, some a little bit more, some a little bit less. 20 years times 3,000. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Well, 60,000 people. That's a whole city have died. And they brought fires. up, and they brought up, I mean, if you go to the, you know, to the U.S. Fire Administration, to FEMA, if you go to the statistics there, and they post, because, you know, we were a year behind, in 2017, because, you know, how the stats run, it was 3,400 deaths. That was up 9.6% from the from year two, Well, actually, for 2008, how they do okay. The, okay. the decade. But, you know, I, I guess, and the, here, here was the dollar loss. The dollar loss in 2017 was $23 billion. $23 billion. Now, you and I have talked about this, and I've written about it. My friend, my friend Butch Cobb, uh, after retiring from Jersey City as a, as a staff chief, he was a field deputy chief and made it into the staff chief operations for a while and got out. And he worked for ISO, Insurance Service Organization, for several years after he retired from the fire department. And he, he became pretty enlightened on that whole organization and a lot of statistics. And the losses, the dollar losses to fire in the United States for just about every year for the past 30 or 40 or 50 years, with the exception of one or two years, and I believe Hurricane Sandy was one of the years. So, so eliminate that one year. Every year for the past 30 or 40 years, the dollar loss in America to fires is greater than the dollar loss to everything else combined. Hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, you name it. You name it. All those things put together don't add up to the dollars lost to fire, number one. So, so much for this dwindling fire thing that we have. All the, all the mayors and, and city managers tell you, oh, fires are down, and we're all EMS agencies. So, so whether fires are down or not, and we'll talk some other time about when they're down from, they're all talking about that 10-year peak, that 10-year yeah, yeah, spike yeah, in, yeah. in history that will never happen again. But, but I don't want to get distracted from the point. But 3,000 people have died every single year since 9-11, and certainly before 9-11. It's a much longer trend than that. And here's the question. Now, we've been talking for a while already, but here's the question of the night. And why are we not addressing this? Why is this not a hot-button issue? Why is this not brought up at every conference, at every debate, at every discussion? Why, why every month in, in different magazines do we have the line of duty deaths for the month? And they talk about the three guys that died here, the two guys that died there, and the one guy that died there. Why aren't we tracking civilian deaths? Why, why is it like, holy cow, 259 well, and, people died in January and, and in the if United they, States. And if they are doing it, 
it, it, you know, it's it's not as I, you and I are pretty good. I'm, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Obviously, if you go to the U.S. Farm Administration, you look up statistics. Blah, but you blah, have blah. to wait for the end of the year to get those. You, then I'm but, keeping track of it you, as it's going along. You, you've got to look at this. I mean, you know, and again, let me let me just clear, you know be clear on something. When we talk about the the dollar loss in 2017, that was also that also takes into consideration a lot of money lost in you know, and, and I think it was like 10 billion in the, the Northern California wildland fires. But John, that was well, remember the, the wildland fires are fires. Fires are fires. Well, exactly, and and in, in the fires, if you if you count it all up, two thousand seventeen, it was one one million three hundred nineteen thousand five hundred. Uh, again, and they say it's funny. They go, it was down to you know six point two percent from two thousand eight, almost almost ten years earlier, but fire deaths was up nine point six percent. You know, dollar loss was up twelve percent. So you're exactly every time you said that, it's made so much sense to me. You said, you know what? They may say fires are down, and you know what? The numbers may actually be down a little bit. But dollar loss is is like is is high and it's actually increasing, as well as fire deaths and fire deaths skyrocketing, and and the fact that they're skyrocketing is is simply a fact. I'm I I I don't hear I don't pretend to be here to come up with with the reason or the cause for that. However, the serious question is: so what are we going to do about it? We are the fire service. I mean, we're building. We're building cabs now because of, of we're worried about contamination of firefighters from smoke and soot and fires. We're worried about um, uh, uh, firefighters killing themselves from firefighter suicide. There, there are a lot. There are a lot of new issues that are coming up in the last couple of years that are, that people I don't want to say are, are harboring on because they're legitimate issues. But there there are some issues that are getting a lot of press time and a lot of articles and a lot of and a lot of discussions being made. And there's three thousand people, three thousand Americans. 3,000 citizens are dying every year in fires with little or no comment from the fire service. I find that, I find that, that quite disappointing. The fact that we in the fire service, we don't, we don't like to lose, we like to win, we like to provide better service to our customers. How can you say the word customers? And I must tell you, most classes I go to, you and I travel all around the country, sometimes together, sometimes individually. We have classrooms sometimes with, with, between 50 people, 80 people, 100, 200, 300. Every, every time I do a class, when it, when it fits into the mood, when it fits into the topic, I'll ask the question, who knows how many people died in fires in America in the last year? That and these are fire service professionals. And these are fire service professionals who are coming out and spending their own time and their own dime going to conferences, going to classes. And, and spending a day or two or three with us. These are these are people that are into the job. People of every rank, from chiefs to company officers to firefighters. Nobody, Rick, nobody knows the answer. Nobody knows the answer. I have a room of 150 people. Nobody raises their hand. I ask for a guess, and people come up with obscenely low numbers. So the question arises. The question still is there. I've already said it. I'm going to say it again. Why is this? Why is the American Fire Service satisfied? Why are we content? Why are we not in an uproar? Over 3,000 people dying, not last year, in a spike. Every single year for the past 10 or maybe 20 years. We absolutely lose our minds if 15 more firefighters die next year and bring us over 100 again. Guys lose their minds. Oh, my God. We're over 100. What about the 16 initiatives? What about, what about cancer? What about suicide? Oh, my God. The end is near. And 3,000 people die, and there's not a whisper from the back of the room. Psst. What about the 3,000 families that lost people last year? I'm a little, I'm a little upset by it, and, and I have been beating the drum. I have been You've beating been the drum You've been saying this steadily. for... 
You've been saying this for years now. Yeah, absolutely. For years now. And and and, and again, you know, um, it, it's it's something that you sit here and you go, you know, we've got some great leaders out there, you know, in the fire service doing some great things for us. But but why are we not? Why you know? And, and, and here's the other thing. Let me bring up another side to this. Fire chiefs going into sell their city council, their mayor, the city manager's office on new apparatus, more staffing or whatever, and and they're stumbling sometimes on their words because they don't know how to justify it or whatever. And I'm like, we've got the numbers to justify it. And the next time a city council member tells you, well, fires are down, you go, you know what? Yeah, you, you, if you want to talk about to the heydays. In the seventies and early eighties, when they were when they were banging them out in the big cities and stuff like that, yeah, but yeah, from seventy two to eighty two, yeah, that's when fires are down compared to compared to nineteen seventy two to nineteen eighty two, the numbers the numbers were, were declining then, but that that was it, that was the peak, that was the peak in New York City and in lots of other places, Detroit and Chicago, that L.A. that was the peak, and, 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 and that's what they're comparing everything to. It's two thousand nineteen. How, how, how long ago was that? We're in another century now. Yeah, yeah. We're in a different century, and exactly. they're still talking about that ten years. Exactly. And and it's really unjust. It's really not fair to the fire service. And, and I'm just, you know, and and it's it's just, I don't know, I'm just befuddled, if that's the right word, over where, where is the argument? Where is the, you know, and it's, it's kind of it's like the same thing, and you actually hear more about this, but residential sprinklers. And, and Captain John Drennan's wife is very outspoken about fire prevention, about sprinklers, things. And, and then you, you, you go, okay, how many buildings... How many deaths, how many fires would have been prevented if the home was just sprinklered? And then you get into the whole village association. They, they don't want to go along with it because it costs them money. And all the lies and stories about leakage and flooding, all that crap that's just lies. And you, and you go, you know, where, where is the fight there? And it, it ends. It ends at most governor's desks because they don't want to... You know, I know some governors, that's their biggest contributors, the Home Builders Association, their campaign. Oh, and the construction folks. And, and, and they're not going to sign off on it. And I'm like, it's not sign off on it. Doesn't it actually help? You know, anyway. And but, what and what more evidence do we need? So, so so what do you have, Chief? So what do you have, United States Fire Departments? What, what do you have? Well, well, we get two big statistics here. We get civilians dying in fires, citizens dying in fires. Here's the numbers. 3,000 a year. 60,000. If you do 3,000 times 20 years, it's a lot of people, right? Exactly. And the highest dollar loss of any other catastrophe. You take fires and put it against all the other things added together. All the other things added together. Fires is just a single topic. How many dollars are lost in the United States? The value of buildings and property and everything else. And then you compare hurricanes, earthquakes, floods. We've had some tragic gigantic catastrophes in the United States in the past five or ten years, all around the country, and all of them together don't add the dollars lost to fire. What more What more does anybody need than gigantic cataclysmic dollar losses and 3,000 innocent civilians dead? Remind, I'm, I'm reminding you now that this day next year, this day in May in 2020, 3,000 people that are alive today, possibly listening to this, this blog, or, or traveling to work, or in school, at night school, or, or picking up their children somewhere. 3,000 people that are alive and hearts beating and breathing air today will be in the ground next and, year. And, and I don't know if it's because it didn't happen all in one day, and it's spread out over a year, that it just doesn't get the attention. Because you and I have tried to figure this out. Because if you look, again, with the stats, 
at, you know, for the U.S. Fire Administration, you know, FEMA.gov, if you look if for 2017, 3390, then you back it up a year, 3280, 3240. Now it dropped out 2012 to 2855. That's still a hair under 3000. The year before that, 3005. The year before that, 3120. 3010, 3320. It goes on and on and on. I'm telling you, and it goes back 15 or 20 years, hovering right above, right below, or right and at that 3000. I'm, I'm not as. I God, this is gonna sound horrible, folks. Don't don't please think of me that way. But I'm not as I don't know as hard hardburn with the dollar loss and people not knowing that as much as I am the three thousand plus the fatalities. Human, the I human just cost. I just and these are we're talking senior citizens. We're talking little babies, people that went home or went to bed, families, not not thinking they were gonna burn to death or die due to smoke inhalation or not wake up. Some and and then we got the multiple deaths with. Three, four kids and the parents and and it just you know and then and that brings up everything from smoke detectors to sprinklers just the simple. whole gamut. It's smoke detectors, it's and, sprinklers, and, 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 it's response times, it's staffing, it's all sorts. And of what things. do they do? What do they do when they have a multi-family fatality? This is every big city, every little city. They go out, they they canvass the neighborhoods and you know the neighborhood and make sure let's do a smoke detector check and install like. Well, you know, and I know this has been a battle. You know, better what well, they say, better than eighty percent of smoke detectors not working at one point in time. But, you know, we finally are making them now where you can't really take the batteries out and use when them. You for buy other this, things. got a ten-year battery. You yeah. don't have to even worry about exactly. it. Exactly, and we're doing that, and and you know, it's just how sad that little babies and and grandmas and grandpas and people like that, seniors, have to die, period. Let alone due to fire. And then I sit there and go, and then it brings me back to what we were said originally. <laughs> and, and again, it sounds so whiny-ish about our our fair share, but you and I travel, and we, we see fire departments with crappy-ass gear. We see fire departments where the driver and the officer, the only two that have radios. We just went through this. We just went through this. Absolutely. You know, they, you know, their training dollars are the first thing that's cut. How to train firefighters to save people's lives and take care of their communities is the first thing that's cut. You know, and 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 not the bird watching park, and that's oh my god. There's so many stories I could tell you of projects that were funded when they were cutting public safety, especially the fire department. It's always like, so what can we cut the fire department this year? Well, first thing is training. You know, that that makes a lot of sense. Let's cut the training. Let's cut the the money that we put in there to help our firefighters train to be better at protecting the people out there. You know, and, and I'm just kind of amazed at some of the little pet projects that some of the city council members and other people get instead of funding the damn fire service. And we, you know, I've said it, there's, there's some fire chiefs, unfortunately, that have their priorities out of whack too, because they're driving. Oh my God, you ought to see these fire SUVs they have. Oh my, they're just, you know, just every kind of light and, 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 and fax machines and disco balls and latte machines and all this crap in there. And they're guys that wear crappy gear and radios. And you and I've said this in class, you should have bald tires on your fire chief's car. You know, you should have that. You know, ball tires before getting a new one. If their guys are wearing crappy gear, don't have radios, don't have the right tools. You know, rigs are rigs, million dollars plus, seven hundred thousand for you know, engines and the ladders. I understand that. That's a big. That's a big. You know, that's why we should be taking care of our stuff better too. But to not equip your firefighters with the basic needs they need to do their jobs, and, and to and to really go out there. And I see this. New York City has really turned up. A hats off to your guys. I follow them, and and they are out there. They're doing things in neighborhoods. They're doing stuff. They're out there, you know, shaking the trees, if you will, and telling people, look, 
you know, and I'm seeing a lot of a lot more proactiveness on getting out there and smoke detectors and different things that I've seen a long time. And hats off to them. Same thing in Chicago. Chicago Fire Department's doing it. And I will say this: all these what people used to call archaic when it came to fire prevention methods are are kind of leading the way for a lot of us now. You know, yeah. when you look, yeah. and, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist. You know, you 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 want to get out there. You want more. You want more support from the public. Get out there and go check on their grandparents. Get out there and go you know, check smoke detector batteries. Go out there and check, you know, smoke detectors, period. How about CO detectors and all that kind of, you know. we got places that aren't even going out and checking their hydrants, the tools that they <laughs> use to put fires out, the tools that keep not only the public safe, but us safe as well. Our, our water supply and our domestic, you know, places that have domestic water supply systems. You can't even get some fire departments to go out and check the hydrants, which is one of the most important things you'll need if you do get a structural fire, how are we going to convince them to go into people's homes and knock on the door and, and press their test button on their on their smoke detector to see if, whether it be a right. senior, senior citizen's housing right. or, or young families on the other end of town? I mean, so so the point is, I, I think it's really, I, I, I think our focus, I think we've lost focus really with what's going on. I think we've lost focus with the mission. So I really think it comes down to to, to, to clarifying the mission. And I think the mission of the fire service, and we've said this hundreds of times in our class, the mission of the fire service should be service. It's about service. It's about service to the public, service to our customers, service to our citizens and our visitors and our travelers and our businesses. We're in, we're in the service business. Yet every month in all the magazines, doesn't matter what magazine we're talking about, every month in all the magazines, I challenge you to find an article. How are we going to reduce fire, fire How are we going to reduce civilian line of duty deaths? How are we going to make America safer? How can you make your community safer? Instead, and I'm not knocking it because I know firefighter safety and survival, is, is, that's how we met each other and, that's, and we still do it to this day. But, but I, think, I think there's a, I don't want to say an overemphasis, but I think if you just do the math problem, if you just count the number of articles about firefighter safety and survival, how many of us are dying, preventing firefighter cancer, you know, clean cabs, all the things that all relate to us surviving and us not getting sick, and then, and then count the articles about search and rescue, aggressive interior attack, things that save civilians at fires. And I think, I think the numbers are overwhelmingly against the, the civilian side and for us saving us and us helping us and us protecting us. Well, and, and I think it's important you, that we you do did, that. You did an article. Way out of, I think it's way out of You life. did an article, um, uh, if I remember right, the title we was... We are number two. We are number two. That was my article. And I remember you saying, John, and they're talking, we talked about in class that... You know this whole number two thing is you know, you know you know or number one thing is nonsense. Now, when you say nonsense, meaning at at a fire, you, you want to talk about us being number one. Yeah, when your bosses take care of you, when your company officers train you, when firefighters learn their jobs, when guys are into the job, when the guys in the gals, good equipment and a second know, pair of gear and gloves. And, exactly. Right. That's what we're talking. You know what? There, there you go. You want you want to worry about number one first, then train your people, take care of your people. Be the best damn chief and company officer you can for your folks. But like you said, you, you know, you pull up at 2 in the morning, and there's a mom up there waving her arms. You pull up, and she says her 10-year-old son ran back in that burning house for a dog. And you said it You said it so perfectly. You said, you take your helmet off to put your face piece on. Look inside. There's not a number one in there. There's a number two in there. The number one is the kid. Now, you right, get you in there. You suddenly slid from number one to number two. We want you to be safe. We want you to have a safe response. Oh, God, yes, We want please. you to have the newest, best, heaviest weight turnout gear, meaning heaviest, you know, Nomex for protection. We, we want you to have the best gloves and, and, and all the positive stuff. We want you to have that. 
But the minute you get somewhere in a civilian's life, or several civilians' lives, are now hanging in the balance, you better know that you quickly take a step into the number two slot, and you have to put it on the line. You have to risk it. We're so good at reciting that. We're so good at saluting. We're so good at telling people how dangerous the job is that we have and that we're willing to go further and we want to protect you and where and where what stands between you and death or you and destruction. And guess what? When the situation arises and it doesn't arise all that often for everybody, that's when you got to put up. That's when you got to say, guess what, boys? And you've heard it said, it's time to earn your money. You know, that's whether it. you're getting paid, whether you volunteer, whether you're on call, it's time to earn your money. This is where it counts. And guess what? That's when you that's when you gotta buckle down and go in there knowing, knowing that it's extremely dangerous. Knowing what whatever the whatever adjective we're, you want to use. The men and women that are doing this need to realize you're their last resort. That's right. These people called you, they provide you through their tax dollars with gear and stuff to do what you can do. You're their last resort. After and, you, there's nothing. In the absence of the fire service, right. hallelujah. But um and you've it told sounds... stories. You've told firefighters rescue other firefighters. And, and our buddy Deputy Chief Jay Jonas from the FDNY has got a whole series of articles out there, a series of, of stories about firefighters going into jobs and making dramatic rescues and, and really risking it all. And some coming out and some coming out, you know, injured and, and, and tattered. And, and that's, we don't look forward to that. We don't want that. We want to avoid it. We want to resist it. We don't want it to happen ever again. But the reality is... The work that we do is very dangerous, and there are some elements of danger sometimes that we have to go into, you know, clear-eyed and, 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 and constant and focused and well-trained, but we still have to go into them. Sometimes we have to walk into a dangerous situation. And, and you know what? That, and this sounds like a perfect topic for, for one of our future shows to jump on this whole, you know, when do we go, when do we not go, you know, assessing tactics and strategy, all that different stuff like that. My, my question is, as we, as we wrap things up here, John, is... You know, look, every year I think it's difficult to come up with different catchphrases for the MP, and they're doing their best they can for Fire Prevention Week and Fire Prevention Month in October, which every month should be Fire Prevention Month. But, you know, one of the first ones that I've come along with a long time, that, that I really like that's come along a long time, is this whole close the door campaign because everybody's got doors, not everybody has smoke detectors that are working. And and the short, the quickest route to, to maybe doing this is teaching people Keep the doors closed. Close the doors behind you. Don't allow fire spread. So and so and that kind of and, stuff. And and you know what? It's it's a direct it's a direct action to help save civilian lives. Those doors closing are not helping the firefighters. They're helping the people that are in the house. They're right. saying close your door at night. Close your kids' doors. And, and you, close your doors. You know. And if you can't hit the smoke detector because you close the door, then I guess you need another one in your room. And, and yeah, exactly. But and, it's an effort. It's a great effort yeah. by the NFPA to to directly reduce the number of. Civilian fire exactly, and it's and it's something that anybody can do. You don't have to screw something to your ceiling right now. So if you really want something, you know, for all these years, it's never changed about who has working smoke detectors and who doesn't. But but everybody has the ability to close a door, keep a door closed in your kid's bedroom, your bedroom, or whatever. And and if you leave, you know, all these different things, and so on and so forth. So I guess the, the you know the big push is there. I, I guess if we were going to finish things up, what what you and I are looking for really. Is for for the rest of the fire service, and I won't say the rest. I should say, the majority of the fire service, because there are some good folks out there, you know, the Don Abbotts and there are a lot of great people folks out that, there that are that are talking about the same stuff yes. you and I are. But yes. you know what? It's a very small it's a group. Small voice. So maybe our appeal, all right. Here's old school coming back to you because we used to do it all the time. We used to say, look, all I have 
is, is my wish and want from you to go out there and do this better. Um, you know, let's go out and, let, and let's market our mission better. Let's go out there and make sure, you know, let's not go out there and, and throw dead bodies around the council chambers like we used to talk about when, you know, people are going to die and all this. Let's go out there and, and, you, and you have the statistics like we talked about with Bill Carey from Fire Foundation, data, not drama. We've got the numbers. This isn't something we're making up where you have to go, God, John, someone should really start doing some statistics we have the numbers that you can go in and you can talk to and Decades you can justify. Of numbers. It doesn't mean they're going to turn over and say, oh, sure, we'll give you everything now. But you know what? If you're going to go in and fight for something, have enough ammunition to, to sustain the fight. And you know what? I, I, I got over 40 years in the fire service, and I remember my early years in the fire service looking at the numbers. And if you look far enough back at the numbers, firefighting fatalities were in the 170s and 180s back then. Now they're down to the 80s and 90s, and, and, and now breaking 100 again. But the point is, we've cut them almost in half. Why have we not cut civilian fire deaths in half in the same amount of time? Right, you know, right, I, I know right, what, right. I know it's an awesome question. It's a big question. I'm sure there's not a simple answer to it. But the point is, I think we should be focusing on it. And I think you listeners should be paying attention to it and focusing and asking a few more questions and ask your fire department, ask your fire chief, ask your company officers, what are we doing differently? What are we doing better? What are we doing faster and more aggressively and, and maybe maybe more frequently that might save a life rather than maybe make us a little bit safer, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, hey, another one, uh, another another episode of, of Old School. Um, you know, we, 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 uh, we got, we've got so many things. And, and folks, there's, there's no script, as you can tell. There's as no script. Tell. We just started. This is, this is episode number three. And we're, and we're going to keep banging them out. Yeah. And we're going to keep talking about, hopefully, interesting, captivating uh, topics that, that you are as interested, maybe, as we are. Exactly. So, hey, if you need, uh, if you need me, uh, my, uh, right now, I think, you know, if, 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 you just, if you went to my website, prideandownership.com, it's got my email address, got my phone numbers on there, my address, everything, so on and so forth. Um, they could go to your your website, John. My website is johnsalka.com. Uh, and if you want to email me, it's chiefjohnsalka at gmail.com. They've got it all. So, hey, until our next uh, show, our next old school show, uh, we just want to uh, wish you all a, a safe journey in this great profession, volunteer career. doesn't matter. You're both professionals. Thank you for what you do. And we never end any of our shows without reminding folks that never forgetting means never forgetting. Be careful and God bless you. Talk to you next time.